Well, uh, we, in the first part of the year, set apart certain days that we have prayer and fasting. Uh, we have done that for, for quite a few years now, but um, I don't like to go into prayer and fasting without teaching on fasting because of my own experience with fasting, and I'm going to share that here in just a little bit because tonight I'm going to preach about uh, six different mistakes that I learned through the fasting process, and I want to share that with you tonight because fasting is one of those things that can be very powerful if you do it right, but it can also be a major frustration if you don't. So I want to talk about fasting tonight, and this whole month is going to be geared towards prayer and fasting. So we'll be talking about that uh, through the whole month of January, because prayer and fasting is a very powerful thing. And of course, God told us in his word in Matthew 6 that we are to pray and fast. When you fast, when you pray, when you give. These things were not optional. They were not uh, great suggestions. They were part of our walk in faith with Jesus Christ. It was part of what we are called to do as Christians, not things that were just suggested that, oh, you know, if you decide to do this, it would be a good idea and, you know, it might help you grow a little bit. These were things that God says when you pray, when you give, when you fast. And there was instructions that followed. But tonight we're going to go through lessons that, that I personally learned, personally learned, and uh, mistakes that, that I made along the way that you can learn from and you won't have to make the same mistakes I did. So let's, uh, let's open up just in prayer tonight. Let's get our heart ready to receive the word of God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the supernatural growth and explosion that's getting ready to happen in this place. I thank you for breakthrough. Lord, that where people are tonight, this is not going to be where they're at at the end of the, this year. In fact, even by the end of January, they're going to begin to see an acceleration in every area that they begin to put prayer and fasting around. Every area that they decide they're going to grow in, that there will be an acceleration and anointing for acceleration upon them in that area. I pray, Father, that they just begin to set their sights on you, on your word, that there is a desire and a supernatural hunger and thirst for their, the word of God in their life, that it's something that maybe they've never felt before, but I pray tonight that it begins to stir up on the inside of them, that it's something that grows each and every day, and it does not die out, but instead it grows stronger and stronger. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Um, we usually set aside 21 days in January for prayer and fasting. So we will actually start tomorrow, the 2nd, and we'll go through the 22nd. Now, I'll give some instructions at the end on practical things around prayer and fasting and what you should do with, with fasting, some practical common sense things. But first, I want to go through uh, the things that, that I learned, my own experience. Um, my, my personal story around fasting started about 15 years ago. The kids were young, and I remember um, the church that we were in at the time called a fast. And there wasn't really any preaching around it. There wasn't really any instruction. There was just, uh, you know, the beginning of the year. And, of course, a lot of churches do a fast at the beginning of the year. And so it was kind of like the fast was called, and it was on, and there was... Uh, 
booklets in the back that, that incorporated the Daniel fast and all of these instructions, but nothing was really said about it other than make sure you pick up your books in the back, make sure you look at the, the fasting stuff and get started on that. And so, you know, I'm trying to be the good Christian. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. And, and I began to, okay, Daniel fast. I don't even completely understand that, but this is what you can eat on the Daniel fast. And so I began to, to look at this and, and I tried my darndest to do this thing, and I came out frustrated as I'll get out. I, I, and I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I really have a heart for, for this to become real to people because I don't like seeing people go through religious things and not seeing the benefit of it. So my story in it is, is I really just kind of sat down and said, what mistakes did I learn from this? What did I gain? out of, out of uh, just the understanding, because what this led me to, I began a journey, because after that, I was so frustrated, because I didn't see anything happen. I came out of it with a bad attitude, because I didn't see anything, and I was, uh, you know, getting weaker every day, because obviously, you're not eating, and, and so I'm growing weaker every day, but I'm still doing uh, my normal daily activities, and at the end of it all, I'm just getting a bad attitude, because I'm hungry. And I, I get to the end of it. I'm like, what did I get out of that? What did, what did I gain? What did I learn? What did I grow in? And really, it was nothing. And so I decided I'm not doing this again until I understand what in the world I'm doing. And so I dug into the Word. And I looked up every scripture on fasting that I could find. And I began to, uh, from that time on, and even still today, I'm still learning. So it's not something that I have like 100% figured out, but I have figured out some things along the way. So I want to be able to share those things with you. But I, I looked up every scripture on fasting, and I was like, I'm going to figure out what's going on in the Word of God. Why do we fast? What is the purpose behind it? How should we do it? And just begin to understand it. So if you're taking notes, the first thing uh, is that I'm, the mistake that I made was not understanding what fasting was. That was the first mistake I made. I didn't really have any revelation of fasting whatsoever. And I didn't understand it. It was just something that I was doing. And, of course, the Bible says in John uh, 8.32, it's the truth that sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, the truth is revelation, knowledge, and understanding in his word. But if we don't have an understanding or a revelation of something, we will never be able to hold the manifestation of it in our hand. So if we don't have revelation of his word, we're not going to hold the manifestation of his word. So we've got to have revelation. That's why the Bible talks about precept upon precept. Because our walk, our faith walk grows level upon level. That's why when you see different people in Christ, they're not all at the same level. Because some have put forth more effort than others in their walk. And because of that, there's a huge difference from what they are seeing out of their life and what some other Christian may see out of their life. So I, I begin to realize I've got to have an understanding. I've got to have revelation on what I'm doing. Because if you don't have revelation, you're not going to get the manifestation of what's going on. That's why even faith, if you don't have a revelation of faith and you're just going through emotions, you're not going to reap the benefit. If you don't understand why you're tithing, you're not going to get the benefit. 
Because the thing is, if you don't understand what's going on, what are you attaching your faith to? Nothing. Because you don't have an understanding of it. You don't have a revelation of it. The light bulb hasn't been like, oh, I get it. You know, have you ever read the word of God and, and it's like a light bulb goes off? And you're like, oh, I get that. That's revelation. Thank you, God, for showing me this. And so it's like that revelation, that light bulb that comes on. Once in a while that happened in algebra class, but not very often. <laughs> Every once in a while. But it's like when, you, when it did, it was like, oh, I get this. I understand. For years, I didn't understand why there was even letters in algebra. It didn't make sense to me. I get now. But at the time, I didn't get. Why are there even letters in math class? Why aren't we dealing with the numbers? Why is there an A? Why is there a Y? But I understand now. But the thing is, if we don't have the revelation, if we don't have the understanding, then we're not going to get the benefit out of it. It's just like if you don't know that healing is for today, if you don't know that healing is in the blood of Jesus Christ, you won't go after it. You won't receive the benefit. If you don't know that your company gives you benefits, are you going to tap into that? No. If, you, if somebody puts, I've used this example before, if somebody puts money in your bank account but you don't know about it, then you're not going to withdraw it. You're not going to make a demand on that money because you don't know that it exists. You don't know that it's there. So we have to understand what is fasting? What is it about? Because only in Revelation can you have manifestation. So in the Word of God, uh, let's turn to Leviticus 23. Verse 29. It says, anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. That word deny where it might say afflict, or it might use another word in your translation, but what it means is to humble themselves and fast. Because in the original Hebrew word, ana, that's what it means. It means to humble themselves and fast. And God is actually being very serious about this here. He's like, anybody that doesn't humble themselves and fast is going to be cut off from my people. So he was taking this seriously. This was the day of atonement. He said, I will destroy them from among the people, anyone who does any work on that day. They were talking about the day of atonement, the day where uh, their sins were covered at one day a year. But the thing is, he's saying anyone that doesn't humble themselves and fast, and that word to be humbled, get this, it means to discipline, to put down, to shame to devalue or to hurt the pride of. Now, when you think about that, you might think, shame, devalue, hurt the pride of, what does that mean? But what you got to understand here is what, what you're putting down, what you're devaluing is your flesh. What you're telling no to is your flesh. The, the body that screams out that I want food three times a day, right? Because that is the one thing in our life that every person wants 
every day is food, the nourishment that our body wants to continue to, to be strong and continue to operate. So your body, your flesh wants food. But God is saying here, if you will take the time to shove food aside, in fact, another, the root word of the word fast, sum, T-S-U-M, actually means to cover your mouth. To abstain, to cover your mouth, to put your hand over your mouth. Now, I know in, in today's time, we've, we hear a lot of different ideas of fasting. Fasting, I'm fasting Facebook, I'm fasting social media, I'm fasting movies, I'm fasting TV, I'm fasting candy, I'm fasting chocolate, I'm fasting, like all kinds of things that people are fasting. But you cannot find one account in the Bible where they ever fasted anything like that. It was always, always, always food. Always. They didn't fast their donkey. They say, you know what? I'm going to give up the convenience of transportation today, and I'm going to walk instead. They didn't fast entertainment. They didn't say, I'm going to not go to the Coliseum today and, and you know, watch the fights. I'm going to stay home. No, they always fasted food because the actual root word meant to abstain from food. It meant to cover the mouth. So you're denying what your flesh wants. You're putting down what your flesh wants. And it says, cover the mouth. The mouth. So it has a lot to do with what you actually are putting value on. What are you putting value on? Are you putting value on what your flesh wants? Or are you putting value on your spirit? Because this is the one thing that the majority of the human population does not do. Is put value on their spirit, man. They will value their fleshly nature. They will go after what their flesh wants constantly. But they put very little, and you, you see this because how many, how many people are typically on church on a Sunday? Less than 10% of every, of every city. That's how much value people put on their spirit, man. And even those that come to church, many of them are not even doing it for their own spiritual reasons. They're coming in, filling a seat to make themselves feel better, to fulfill an obligation, whatever it is. But they're not doing it to grow their spirit, man. They're putting very little value on their spirit man and putting a lot of value on what their flesh wants. So when you shove your, your flesh down and say, no, you're, you're not going to rule over me. I'm going to allow the spirit man to rule. Turn to Galatians real quick. Galatians 5. Galatians 5.16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, or you will not gratify the flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, what is opposite of the Spirit. Your flesh desires things that are opposite of the Spirit. That's why people get, get quiet when you talk about fasting, because this is not something that I want to do. This is not something that my flesh is looking forward to. You know, it, it's like, oh, man, I really don't want to do this. That's why there's certain topics that the church will get dead quiet on when you start talking about it because it starts hitting their flesh. So the flesh desires things that are contrary to the spirit man. Your spirit man wants certain things, and you know it. You know that in, down deep inside of you, you want to be connected with your heavenly father. You want good things in your life. You want 
want the peace of God. You want the love of God. You want your family to be walking in peace and have joy and, and all of the goodness of God. You want to have a connect with him. But your flesh is, is in contradiction with your spirit. So it says to, to live by the spirit. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. So your, your flesh wants to do certain things. Your spirit wants to do other things. And they are constantly in conflict. And this is a daily thing. Every single day we deal with this battle. So how do we overcome the sinful nature? How do we overcome the things that our flesh wants? We put our flesh down and we tell our flesh what to do. This is where the three part. Uh, the, the three parts of the human being are. It's, it's the, the spirit, the soul, and the body. The body, in fact, Paul talked about the body, and he said, I buffet. He said, I beat my body into submission. I tell my body what to do so that my body listens to my spirit instead of, instead of my spirit listening to my body. That's why up and down these roads, you see people listening to their flesh day in and day out because they're doing what their flesh wants to do. They're not doing what their spirit man has a desire to do. They're not beating their body into submission. They're allowing their flesh to have full control. When that happens, then, then it just leads to a road of, of a spiraling destruction. So we have to learn that we are a three-part being. We have to learn that our spirit man has a desire to rule. In fact, that's what we're called to do. We are called to be ruled by our spirit man, not by our fleshly nature. So we have to beat our body. We have to tell our body what to do, not our body tell us what to do in life. Amen? All right, so number two. So first, you have to have an understanding of why you're fasting, what you're doing. You're building your spirit man up. You're building your spirit man up, and you're putting your flesh down. So during this time, you want to feed your spirit. You don't want to, uh, which we'll get into, but you don't want to just ignore the spirit man during this time. You're building your spirit man up. So number two, that means if, if the, the second mistake I made was I did not couple fasting with prayer. They have to go together. You cannot fast and not pray. I mean, you can, but it's a diet. That's really all you're doing. You're going on a diet because it's not going to give you any spiritual benefit to go on a fast and not pray. So prayer has to be the substitution of what, instead of eating, I'm now praying. I'm now shoving aside the plate, and I'm spending time with God. I'm, I'm putting myself in a position where I want to hear from him. I want to put myself in a position where I'm transformed like him. I'm putting myself in a position to where I'm desiring his will, not my own. So if I, if I decide to fast, but I'm not getting any of the word in me, and I'm not spending any time with God, it's doing no good. And whenever I, whenever I started out, I didn't have much of a prayer life, honestly. 
I didn't know how to pray. No one had really taught me. We didn't have a really corporate prayer at our church at the time that we grew up in. And I didn't understand how to pray. A lot of times, and that's what we find in many churches, because it's never demonstrated, sadly. So we never learn how to do it. But the thing is, God, this, should, this is such a foundation of our spiritual walk that this should be something that we're learning from one another, that we're, we're coming into the house of God. My house shall be what? A house of prayer. So we should be learning how to pray. So then I had to realize, like, I've got to figure out how to pray. I've got to learn about this prayer thing. I can't just fast and not pray. So the prayer part had to be upped, and I had to realize, like, prayer's got to be part of my, my fasting process. They, they go hand in hand. And, in fact, that's what Jesus said. He said, this kind, talking about a spirit, does not come out except by prayer and fasting. In fact, if you look in the Bible, it talks continually about prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. It doesn't talk about just fasting. It's always prayer and fasting. In fact, uh, you see Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts, chapter 13. You see them uh, being set apart during prayer and fasting. It's not, it, it wasn't like all of a sudden it just happened. It was during prayer and fasting that uh, Paul and Barnabas were set apart for, for uh, the preaching of the word, to be set apart for a calling that God had upon them. They were ministering to the Lord. They were spending time with the Lord in prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting have to go hand in hand. You, can't, you cannot forego the prayer life. In fact, Daniel, if you look in Daniel chapter 9 and in chapter 10, two different instances, it says that Daniel was fasting. And he was praying. And while he was praying, an angel would come and begin to give him uh, understanding around a vision or give him the answer that he was seeking. It was while he was still speaking, while he was praying. It wasn't, it, the angel never said, I came, Daniel, and as soon as you started fasting, I came. It was always when you started praying, the answer was sent. When you began to pray. But see, fasting adds an extra supernatural umph and a discernment because your spirit man, what you're doing is you're weakening the things of the flesh and your spirit man is hopefully becoming more in tune with the things of the spirit. It's almost like you're sending up antennas that are more sensitive than, than usual because you're not getting all, this, all the normal fleshly static. Because the flesh brings a lot of static into our lives. It has a lot that it wants to say. But our desire is to hear what God has to say. See, it's not that God's not speaking. But it's that we aren't always listening. And we don't always have a good reception. So we've got to work on that reception. Number three. Number three. If you're... Uh, if you're doing fasting as a religious obligation, if you're going through fasting because, like I said earlier, my, my first experience with fasting was because the church called a fast. I went on a fast. But I was, like, seriously, I was, on a normal day, I would, I would get up, we would start the day again, wasn't really spending any time in, in prayer. If it was, it wasn't much, and I didn't really understand uh, how to pray. So I would, you know, we'd get up, we'd start our day, we'd sit down at the table, homeschool the kids, 
by 11 o'clock on day three, I was exhausted. So I'm laying there, and I'm like, yeah, guys, just do the next section, okay? I'm like seriously like just done at this point and ready to go to sleep because my body, yes, is getting weak. But the thing is, when, when we have the Holy Spirit, we're stirring up the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to give us a supernatural strength, but I wasn't stirring up the Holy Spirit in my life. So as a result, I'm just getting weak in the flesh. And my spirit man is still weak because I'm really not spending any time with it. So I'm going through this religious obligation trying to fulfill something here that, that I know is in the word of God, but I'm not getting anything out of it. But a lot of it was because of these first two things that I didn't have a revelation on. So honestly, we have been very uh, slow to push fasting because of that reason. If people don't have an understanding in this area, then I don't want to set them up for frustration. I want people to be successful when they're fasting. I want them to be in a position where, where they're hearing from God, where they're seeing things come to pass in their life. So I don't want to set them up and just say, just fast, you know, and just, just yeah, just fast because, you know, the church is on a fast. I want you to be successful in your fast. I'm not sitting here wanting you to do this out of religious obligation. So do not do it out of religious obligation. It's got to be from your heart. It's got to be tied to your heart. Let's go to uh, the book of Luke. Chapter 18, verse It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one man a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see this Pharisee here, he was, he was fulfilling his obligation, fasting twice a week because that's what they would do. That's what the Jewish people did. They fasted twice a week. Well, he was fulfilling that obligation. He was fulfilling the obligation of tithing. But he did not go home justified before the Lord. Why? Because he was doing it out of an obligation and not from his heart. And the man over here that's a sinner that's not even fasting. It didn't say that he was fasting. In fact, the Pharisee was saying, God, thank you so much that I'm better than this guy. He's not even fasting. I fast. I give my 10%. I tithe. I fulfill all of the religious obligations. And this guy over here, he's like, I'm such a sinner. Father, have mercy on me. But he's being humbled. He's humbling himself before the Lord. And it says he went home justified before the Lord. The eye of God was on him, not on the one that was fulfilling all the obligations. So I want you to know because we can fast and God doesn't have to answer because we fast. In fact, if you turn to Isaiah, uh, I believe it's 58. Yeah, Isaiah 58. 
I want to read this to you real quick. 58, verse 1 says, Shout it loud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Get this. Verse 3. They say, we have fasted. And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers and your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. God's saying here, he said, the people come and they say, we are fasting. And, and why aren't you noticing, Lord? We're doing what you told us to do, but yet you don't seem to hear us. You don't seem to hear our words. And God said, God told them, he's like, you can't fast and then go do what you want. Do what your flesh wants to do. I'm treating each other with disrespect, getting into fights, causing quarreling and strife, and, and acting out in your flesh, and then think that I'm going to hear from heaven because you're fasting, because you're going through the motions. See, fasting is not just for the act of fasting. Fasting is to turn your heart towards God for God to transform you. This is not just a get-get thing. This is about transformation, which we will get into more as the month goes along with prayer. Because I can't get into all of that tonight. But I do want you to understand that fasting is about the transformation of you. Not just, well, I'm fasting because I want to get something. I'm fasting because I, I, you know, I need to see breakthrough in this area. Yeah, you can see breakthrough. But the thing is, God is more concerned about the status of your heart. God is more concerned about where you are in your walk with him. Are you, are you desiring to reflect him? Are you just desiring to do what you want to do and then fast and hope to get, get, get what you want? Because God is not going to hear from heaven if we're having a get, get, get attitude and then just going off and doing what we want to do and it going against God's word. So we got to check our heart and make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. Because I'm telling you what, if you set yourself up for fasting with that kind of attitude, you're going to be frustrated because you're doing it for completely wrong reasons. So we got to check our heart, and our heart has to be attached to the transformation of Jesus Christ. He's got to be the one that we're looking at going, God, I want to look like you. I want to be transformed into your likeness. I want to look like you. Are we all perfect? No, we're not perfect. We're in the perfection stage. We're growing. That, that we're supposed to desire perfection. We're supposed to desire that growing into perfection. Growing into his likeness, looking like him, acting like him, doing the things that he calls us to do. But that means that we, we have to be in a process till the day we die. That we're constantly transforming, constantly being put through the fire, constantly being purified. It's a constant thing. So we can, we can fast, 
but not receive an answer. We can fast and go through the motions and not receive, but it's got to be Check your heart. Just check your heart. Make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure that your heart is attached to what's going on, that it's not just a gimme, gimme attitude. Number four, I don't know how to put this in, in, in just a couple words, so word it however you want to on your paper. Just let me, let me say it how I'm going to say it. If you think that fasting is trying to convince God to move on your behalf, trying to move him, trying to, or you thinking that you're doing him a favor by fasting, or that it's some sort of self-punishment or self-misery to get him to finally move because you put yourself through so much. I'm sorry, I don't have, a, I don't have short words for all that. <laughs> I figured I would let, let you guys figure that one out. But if you have a, if you have a mentality that, that you're trying to move God, God is not moved by our fasting. It's not like, because here's the, here's the mentality that a lot of people have. That God's sitting up there on his throne going, okay, move me. I really don't want to answer your prayer. You got to move me. You know, do something to prove yourself. That's not who God is. He doesn't have a prove it, move me mentality. He loves you. He wants to move on your behalf. But what's going on is, is actually a spiritual exchange. Let me try to explain this. First of all, you should be in Isaiah. So just flip back a couple uh, chapters to, to chapter 55. But let me try to explain this. Spiritual things cannot be transferred or purchased by material things. Spiritual things cannot be transferred or purchased by material things. You cannot pay God money to receive a spiritual thing from the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Spiritual things cannot be purchased by material things. It doesn't have a price tag on it. If God says... Like, if you know one of the things that you're fasting for is, let's say, let's say as a pastor, God, I desire more of the anointing on my life to be able to uh, break through the, the things that, that people, if there's depression or if there, people need a healing, I, I, I need a, a stronger anointing on my life to break through those things in people's life. And I, and I think or have a mentality that it's, it's by uh, a monetary value. God, I'm, I'm putting this $1,000 seed in the offering now. I want this anointing. Okay, it, can't, it doesn't have a monetary value. Spiritual things are bought spiritually. So in Isaiah 55, it says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Now, what God is saying is, he's saying, look, if you are thirsty, if you're desiring, come. Come and buy, but it doesn't cost anything of monetary value. You understand? He's saying, come and buy. Well, what are we buying with? What are we buying with? Because he's saying come and buy, but he's saying it doesn't, cost, it doesn't cost anything of monetary value. You can't buy it with money. Well, the purchase price here, first of all, 
is come, which is the, the actual coming into an encounter with God, coming to him into his presence, coming to him, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you, right? So it is, first of all, our steps that have to happen first. We have to draw nigh unto God, and then he will draw nigh unto us. There's got to be a desire in our heart to draw near to him. We can't be sitting on the sideline, well, if God wants to touch me, he'll touch me. You know, I'm going to do my thing until he zaps me. No, we got to draw nigh unto God. We got to draw into his presence. We have to come to him and say, God, I'm hungry for you. I am desperate for you. I want you more than anything else. So what you're buying with is a desire. You are buying because what happens when you get into his presence and, and you now come because come, come is actually the, the purchase price for an encounter with God. So come is part of the plan there. Come is part of what you're buying with. But then when you get into his presence, guess what? Now you might hear something that he says, all right, now I want you to give this. Now I want you to sacrifice this. So it's kind of twofold. First of all, come is a sacrifice because you're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing other things to come into his presence. But then there might have to be an exchange. And it might, and it might be different with every person. Fasting can be one of them. But it's not always. Fasting is one way of purchasing the anointing of God in your life. But it's not always the only one. Sometimes it could be sacrificing a family. Sometimes it could be sacrificing a home. When we entered into the mission field, we sacrificed those things. We moved 6,000 miles away. We, we, we put family here and said, you know what? We're not, we're not going to allow family to call the shots here. We're going to do what God has called us to do. And we moved 6,000 miles away. Through the process, we end up selling our home. It was a home that, that we both loved. It, it wasn't one that, that we were just like, yeah, whatever, you know. It was a home that we actually loved and liked. We sacrificed family land. We sacrificed the things that God called us to sacrifice. Because in us, we wanted more what God called us to do, more than the things of this earth. So there was a call to sacrifice. There was a call at times that, that he may be asking you to give up. Whatever it is that, that may have a, a string on your heart. What did he tell Nicodemus? When Nicodemus came and, and he said to, or was it the rich man? The, the rich man, and he, and he looked at him and he said, give up all of, all of your belongings and all of your things to follow me. Well, he knew that this rich man, that was what had his heart. That may not have been what had everybody's heart, but he knew by discernment that's what, what had this guy's heart. So it depends on who it is. It may be different for you. The purchase price may be different for you than what it is for someone else. But you cannot put a price tag, a monetary price tag. That's why you can't say, well, you know, fast 21 days and then you'll get this. Because it has to do with the heart. And there has to be a spiritual exchange. That's why many times there is a giving up of the self. Through the process, through the sacrifice, because we are a living sacrifice. We're to lay ourselves down on the altar. Come and buy. Come and buy. The come is the price of encounter. The buy is what he's going to ask you to, to give up. And it may be an attitude. 
It, may, it might be an attitude adjustment. It may be pride. It may be uh, selfishness. It may be whatever it, it, it is that he's asking you to do. But the thing is, it comes down to your obedience in it. But fasting is one way of, of tuning in to the things of the spirit because you are making your spirit man more alive. You're, you're tuning things into where your spirit man is actually, you're raising the voice of your spirit man so you can hear the things that God is speaking to you. You want to be able to be in tune because it's not always just God doing and busting through something for you. Sometimes he's going to give you the answer that you have to do. There has to be a desperation. There has to be a thirst that rises up. And thirst occurs when you have lack of water, which drives you to a desperation. If you've seen anybody that's hungry, if you've seen anybody that's thirsty, they act different than the man that's satisfied, right? A satisfied man, he's going to be content. He's going to sit there, whatever, not a big deal. The guy that's desperate is going to look a lot different. He's going to respond differently. He's going to pay a different price. He's going to go after something, and guess what? His pride's going to go out the window because he doesn't care at this point. So he's going to be desperate for something. Number five, you cannot use fasting as a substitute for the principles of God. Another way of saying it, you can't use fasting for a quick fix. What I mean by that, fasting cannot replace or substitute daily prayer. It cannot substitute daily reading the word. It cannot substitute your relationship with him. You've got to, you've got to focus on these things. Because if you're, if you're looking at fasting going, well, you know, I want this thing here, but the only way you're going to get this thing is, is, is by the knowledge of the reading of the word of God. Or by spending time in his presence. And these are things that we have to do on a daily basis. And you're trying to get a quick fix. That's not what fasting's for. Sometimes we need to be spending time with the Lord. We need to be operating on a normal basis, reading the word, getting in his presence. Those things cannot be replaced by fasting. I've seen people where they, they, they'll go on a, you know, this super fast, but the thing is, it's like they're getting, they think that they're accomplishing this great thing on a fast, but they're really not spending time with God. They're not putting time into their regular uh, lifestyle with God. So you can't substitute, and here's the other thing, righteousness. You cannot go on a fast and then think God's going to excuse unrighteous behavior. So righteousness has got to be foundational. And it also, your, your covenant with him has to be in place. And, of course, there are covenant things that we do. Like, my covenant with God on Sundays, you're not going to find me out fishing. I'm going to be in the house of God. I have a covenant with God that I honor him and I honor his day. I'm not out there doing my own thing. I'm not out on the, on the river. I'm not out sunbathing. I'm not going to the beach. I'm not going to the mall. I'm not. I am in the house of God on Sunday. Why? Because there are some things. Fasting is not going to replace that covenant that I have. I have protection over my home. I have protection over my family because I keep certain covenants. I keep the covenant of tithing because that is what protects my, my, my bread basket. So fasting is not going to cover that. 
Because there's certain things in the word of God that you've got to do that you have a principle with, a covenant with God on these things. And again, we can't get into all of those things tonight, but I'm just explaining to you that you can't walk in, in um, unrighteous behavior or in sin and then think that fasting is going to be uh, the sacrifice that you kind of lay out there for that to cover the unrighteousness. Last one, number six. And this is a mistake that I've made before, too. Not having an expectation or an area where I was believing God to move. Kind of going into to fasting, but not really having a goal. Not really having an area. Like, what are you, what are you fasting for? Oh, I don't know. I'm just fasting because the church is fasting right now. What? It's kind of like if you go out on a drive, but you're really not going anywhere and you don't have a goal or a destination, how are you going to know when you get there? You're not. Did we reach it yet? I don't know. We're just driving. It's the, it's the same way. You, you need to know, like, what, what is it that I'm, I'm desiring out of this? What am, I, what am I fasting for? What am I desiring in my relationship with him? Am I wanting to, to see this happen? Am I wanting a supernatural shift here? Am I, am I desiring, uh, you know, uh, uh, healing? And if you read through uh, Isaiah 58, it talks about what fasting is for. It is for certain things. It's for the revelation of the word of God to come alive. That's why it talks about the, the, when, that your light will break forth because it, it, it has to do with revelation knowledge of the word of God. And that may apply to your situation. It talks about healing in fasting. It talks about shackles being broken off of your life. If there's things that you've struggled with that you can't seem to overcome, those things can be overcome in prayer and fasting. So there's things that God can bring into your life, but what is it? Write it down and, and pursue these things. Lord, I desire this in my life. I desire for this thing to change in my life. I want you, Father, to transform me. I want a change of heart. I want, this, I want you to be first in my life. I mean, one of the, the main things that I've asked for is, is for a greater anointing because I have a responsibility to you as the church. I don't want to stand up here and waste your time. I don't want to stand up here and, and it just be like dead words that, that don't help you. I have a desire to preach every year with a stronger anointing than the last. So that is one of my prayer points. God, anoint me to speak, Father, with an anointing that it's not me that whenever I speak that it goes forth and it penetrates the heart of people and it changes them. That it's not something that's just dead words. So there's certain things that I pray for on a fast. That is always one of them. Now, there's others too, but that is always one because it has to do with, with my uh, responsibility here. But there's responsibilities that we have as parents. There's responsibilities we have at our job. There's responsibilities we have in evangelism. There's responsibilities. You know, we have various responsibilities. We have various things where we want to see growth and acceleration in our life. So what is it you're fasting for? What is it that you have a desire to see grow at, a, at another level or to increase in your life? 
Begin to write those down. Don't go into a fast and not have any idea why you're doing it or what you're doing it for. Because it will, it will feel like, a, it will feel like a, a very difficult thing to do. But when you know why you're fasting, then you're, it's like your eyes are set on that. Thank you, God, that this is what's coming. Thank you, God, that this is the anointing. Thank you, God, that this is, this is what I'm looking forward to. This is the hope that's getting ready to break forth in my life. Thank you, God, for the healing upon my body. Thank you, Lord, that you are bringing me to new lands, that you're bringing me to a new place. I mean, even giving up like lands and giving up homes and, and houses and property and family, that's scriptural. It says that you will also gain these things in this lifetime and in the next to come. So I can take that scripture and I can stand on that word. Thank you, God, that I have lands ahead of me, that I have properties ahead of me. I have houses ahead of me. Lord, the houses that I didn't build, vineyards that I didn't plant, that, Lord, that my foot is going to possess these things because your word says so. When you speak out the word of God, it's not going to come back void. So spend time in prayer. And, of course, we'll get into uh, the, more of the depths of prayer over this month. But um, just begin this, this month. Like, set yourself spiritually for a different year. Set yourself spiritually to hunger and thirst after God like never before. Allow a desire to begin to grow on the inside of you. And the way that that happens oftentimes is by putting aside the things of the flesh and allowing the spirit man to grow stronger on the inside of you. Use your prayer language. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then pray in the Holy Spirit. That is how you stir up the things of the Spirit. And, and then when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, then begin to, as the Spirit is uh, bringing something to you to pray over, then pray over that. Go back and pray in your normal language. Then go back to praying in the Spirit. And then go back to praying in, in what it is that He's showing to you and revealing to you. Like, stir up the things of the Spirit. Practical things? Yeah. Yeah. So some common things. If you are, if you're looking to, if you're going to start fasting, and if you've never done fasting at all before, don't, don't go on a 21-day full-fledged fast where, where you're like, I'm going to do this thing. You know, it, you want to start out in, at a level that, that you're ready to operate in. So really pray, God, what do you want me to do? You could do uh, a full day fast. You could do a 6 to 6, uh, you know, where you're going from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You could do that for 21 days. But just make sure that you are designating the time with God. Like, because sometimes people are getting up at 6, and then they're getting home, and then they're, oh, yes, time to eat, you know, and, and there's, like, no time with God. So if you need to change that to, you know, 7, because you get home at 5.30, and you need to spend some time in your word and with the Lord, then change that to 7. Don't be like, okay, well, 6, because Pastor Miranda said 6, but if 6 isn't going to constitute a prayer time for you, make sure that you're getting the time with God in there that you need to get. If you want to do a full fast for, th you know, one, two, three days, and then go to six to six, like look, look at your schedules. It depends a lot upon your work schedules as well. 
in Hana, we had, um, um, <laughs> well, Lehigh went on a fast one time, didn't you? And he worked for the county. And, and we had to say, Lehigh, you can't go on a full, a full fast and go work and put forth all this physical labor. Because he almost passed out off the back of a dump truck. A dump truck? Some sort of big truck. Because he wasn't putting any kind of nourishment in his body, but he was going out and doing manual labor. So he was saying, you know, like, if you need to go six to six, or if you need to put some sort of, uh, you know, nourishment, whether it's, you know, a vegetable uh, drink or juice or something in your body to be able to sustain you, because you're not at home all day long doing nothing. It's different for someone that's out there doing construction and physical labor all day long than it is for someone, you know, that, that like me, a pastor, that's not having to do that all day. So look at your fast. Do not make it a religious thing. Make it a God thing. God, what do you want me to do? And then, and then listen. Listen to what he is prompting your spirit to do. Don't do things out of comparison. Don't do, well, you know, my friend, you know, she's putting pressure on me because she's doing this and she wants me to do this with her. Do what God is calling you to do. Because, again, once you get into the comparison thing, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, what else can you? And drink water. Drink lots of water. But if, but if, and you know, like Pastor Marin said, if you've never, if you've never fasted, I would rather you send us questions about, hey, what, how do I pray, or what, 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 what should my prayer points look like? I would rather you take like even just. You know, at the beginning of this month, learning about it so you can institute this throughout the year. I mean, we, we, we fast monthly, I mean, as a church corporately. And you know, this is a corporate fast. You know, the, in, John, in Matthew chapter 6 talks about you know, when Jesus says, you know, when you're fast, you're supposed to do it in secret. You know, so you, even as a corporate fast, we're, we're fasting corporately. But it's not like you go out and broadcast and you, know, you go to work and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm fasting. And, you know, and you, you know you're doing things in secret. Uh, because you're 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 taking things to God, but but I will add so much the important side of that. Don't make it don't make it religious. Because yeah, and that's. Yeah. And if. My mom, yeah. <laughs> My mom thought I was going to die, you know, because the first time I went on a fast, I was like, I've been fasting for like two days. You're, you need to eat. you got to have food. And I'm like, Mom, I'm okay. I'm drinking juice. And I've got, you know, and, and it, it, you know, three days, you're going on a three. You've got to eat, son, you know, because mom, you know, you know, that's how my mom was. And, of course, you know, Mom, now I'm fasting. And so, but, you know. But the same people that do that will fast uh, yeah, my mom would go on a fast if the doctor told her to go on a fast. But, you know, anyway, that's, yeah. Um, but take the time to learn about it. You know, this, this, at the beginning of the year, take the time. And, you know, we're going to talk more about prayer. But, but, you know, for those that are commuting, those that drive, you know, I used to drive and I could remember, you know, there, there are several things that brought back to remembrance. I mean, I remember the first time that I give up a meal to fast. I thought I was going to die. You know, I was like, I skip lunch. And I thought, oh my gosh, how do people do this? You know, because I, but I, you, you realize as you, you know, as you do it more, your flesh, 
I mean, you're, you're bringing your, your flesh into, you know, you're, you're bringing it into submission. So, and, and, you know, what happens is that you do build up your spirit, man. I, you know, even today, I, I like, I, I got, I had a chip in my mouth this morning. I felt like to fast today. And I, and I drove and I was in prayer today and I was in Morgantown and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some answers in three days. But like the, I felt in my spirit, like the Lord speak to me, you know, about <clears throat> I wanted to stop by and see a guy in Morgantown. But I felt like the Lord told me to wait three days before I notified him. It was like it was by the spirit of God. And it was like, why, why wait three days? It's because I know that there's a building up in faith when you begin to bring yourself, you, when you begin to bring your spirit, man, and, and you line it up to, with God. And so, and that's where miracles and things like that break loose and supernatural things break loose. So, you know, I'm being obedient to what, the God, what, what God says. But, but, you know, don't, um, you know, don't do some of the, yeah, that's great. Don't do some of that stuff. Don't, don't, it's not a religious, yeah, don't do what Miranda did. So, it's, you know, don't make it religious, you know, uh, Learn in the Lord in this, though. Take the time. It's so important. We want the church to understand these things. This is a weapon, a great weapon for the body of Christ. And uh, as we learn corporately about this, man, great, great things happen. God, God opens up. Man, he, he'll open up great opportunities. But, uh, if, and it, go ahead. If you're I, fasting yeah. and you accidentally eat something, you're like, oh, yeah. you just blew it. Just like, as soon as you remember, like, go back on your fast. I've, I've done that before. Fred talks about the time he, he got up in the middle of the night after how many days? I've been on a, like a 10-day fast, and I woke up in the middle of the night and wondered why I was hungry. <laughs> I walked around the kitchen 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and I got out, and I opened the kitchen, and I had made three sandwiches. I had a ham and cheese. I had a peanut butter and jelly and whatever chicken sandwich. And I had, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I was, I was rolling around. Nobody was up yet. I flipped the TV on, and I was like, I got in there, and I was sitting there. He's eating my sandwiches, and I was like, why am I so hungry? And then I realized, well, I've been on like a 10-day. And then I was about half sick because, you know, you, you shouldn't break with three, three sandwiches. That's not smart. So I'm on a 10-day fast. But, but don't beat yourself up. You know, it, you're, it's so important that you understand the importance of prayer. And if you're traveling, like I know, Dan, you travel. I know you travel to work and stuff like that. Put a podcast on. Put things on that can help you get in you know, if you need people, I, I got people I would recommend to listen to. Get, get people in, you know, listen, listen to preaching in the Word of God. You know, on your way to work, 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30, you know, put something in that's going to help build up your spirit, man. Because what happens is God, God begins to speak. You know, you can be in a car. Man, I've had the greatest revelations. Pull off alongside the road. i got to write this down. The Lord's, you know, you get, you're getting a deposit from God. You know, that 30-minute commute, man, you can have the most amazing things happen with God. And so write those things down. Wherever you're at, write those, you know, stop, write those things down. And allow the Lord to speak to you during this time. And I, and I want to, please, I want to challenge everybody in here. Whether it be a meal, whether it be a full day, whether it be two meals, Take this time over, the, over, the, over, this, over these 21 days. And you, you may not be ready tomorrow. You may need to wait another day because you need to process some stuff. That's fine too. Okay? That's, we're starting corporately as a church tomorrow. But you may say, hey, I need a couple days or I have some questions about this. Can I, can I send you a message? Please message us. We're not, I'm, I, this is not about a religious thing. Okay? I'd rather you grab a hold of what the Word of God says about it and how beneficial it can be for you. Man, it, it's because it's, it's huge. God, you, you can be healed through a fast. I mean, it's God can do amazing things through, through a time time of fasting and prayer. And if there's certain things that you're fasting for, like healing or like um, 
if, if you're fasting for your marriage, if you're fasting for healing, if you're fasting for uh, whatever segment, or if you're fasting, I, I need greater faith in my life, then begin to listen to uh, sermons and read the scriptures around that topic because that, that can open up an avenue where God will speak to you through those things. Uh, even listening to someone else that has greater understanding than you in an area uh, that you're desiring to grow in. Well, if you start listening to people that have that figured out, it can give you like a lot of wisdom and revelation. So understand, like if I'm fasting for this, I need, I need a breakthrough in this area, then specifically Specifically grow in that area. Specifically listen to podcasts. Get your, your word out and look up the scriptures on that thing. Uh, Melanie also mentioned age. What's, what is an a good age or, or you know, when, sh when should uh, you start? When should I, um, should I require my children to do this? Or even how high does this go? You know, once you get up to, to your 70s, like, honestly, your spirit, man, becomes a little more sensitive because your flesh is growing weaker. So, and also, pregnant women, if you're pregnant, don't fast. You need to feed your baby. Um, that's common sense. But some people get so overly spiritual, you know, they, they, they kick their common sense out. Understand, if you got a baby, then feed your baby. But um, if, you're, if you're older and, and you're getting up there in years, then your flesh is also uh, growing a little more um, weaker naturally. So you're, don't, don't put yourself in a position where you're necessarily going like on a, on a you know, 21-day fast. Uh, you know, break it into to things that you feel that you can do. Don't ever do anything out of obligation. Um, my kids, I never forced it. I encouraged it. And out of their own spiritual growth with the Lord, they, they did their own fasting. So, uh, and it looked different for all three of them. So it wasn't ever anything that I said, nope, you guys are going to fast. I would ask them, you know, are, how many days are you guys fasting? What are you fasting? Uh, you know, are you, have you thought about this? Do you know what you're fasting for? You know, encourage it. But don't, don't force them because you don't want it to become something that you're forcing into their life and, and they're not growing in the relationship. Because think about it. If somebody forces you to fast, are you really going to get anything out of it? No. So you're just going to be like, oh, mom made me go off and I'm not allowed to eat anything and I'm so aggravated. Like that's going to be your attitude. So encourage your kids to grow them, challenge them, teach them. But, um, you know, Zane, Zane was fasting. When did you start? Yeah, 13, 14. I think Zane was right around the same time. Um, and both of them uh, chose their own fast, how many days that they were choosing to fast. Uh, Zephan recently did a, a three-day fast on his own. Um, huh? Sixth day. That's right, it was. And then, so it, it's not, don't think. Just because this is not a normal thing for Americans, don't think that it doesn't happen because it does. It happens around the country. It happens around the world. People are fasting. It's just that, you know, don't, what does David Oyedepo say? He says, uh, don't be content with local, um, what is it? Comparison. It's like looking beside you and looking at only what's around you. And, well, you know, nobody else. And, you know, I did good. I fasted one meal. I'm, like, up there. Like, don't, don't be content with local comparison. 
Because there's many people around the world that they're seeing major breakthroughs and they're seeing major things happen in their life, but they're, they're, they're making that, that spiritual exchange. They are uh, sacrificing things in their life. So don't just look a- around you and say, well, my friends, you know, I'm better than my friends. No, like get a greater mindset and begin to look outside of your normal circle and, and say, uh, I'm going to start going further. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to do more this year than what I did last year.